This season on the Full Heart Free Voice podcast, we are celebrating play and creativity. So at the beginning of each episode for season two, Emma and I will be highlighting creative works of joy by Black, Indigenous, people of color, queer, differently abled, or neurodiverse folks. The book I want to share with you today is called We Should All Be Millionaires, A Woman's Guide to Earning More, Building Wealth, and Gaining Economic Power by Rachel Rogers. I loved this description from an episode of Rachel Rogers' podcast, Hello 7, where she says about this book that you, quote, get a playbook on how to make million-dollar decisions, how to increase your income right now, no matter what your current profession, no matter what's going on in the economy, and why earning more money as a woman is not selfish or greedy, but in fact, a revolutionary act that brings the economy into balance to create a better world for all. I highly recommend this book if you're interested in working on your money mindset, learning more about the oppressive systems that have held women, especially women of color, back, and how to move past these challenges if you want to be, as Rachel Rogers says, a woman not only rich in financial assets, but also time, energy, peace, power, and joy. I really think you'll love this book. The link is in the show notes. Welcome to the Full Heart Free Voice Podcast. I'm Emma Veritas, and I'm a writing coach for folks who want to write authentically on the internet. And I'm Caitlin Bosshart, a life coach for multi-passionate creatives, people who want to create a life of their own design, and wedding coach for couples who want to tie the knot their way. We read books that inspire you to live with a full heart and a free voice. This season, we're reading Big Magic, Creative Living Beyond Fear by Elizabeth Gilbert. And we're exploring what it means to live a life that is driven more strongly by curiosity than fear. If you'd like to purchase a copy of Big Magic or any book that we've ever mentioned on the show and support the podcast, you can go to our bookshop.org page at bookshop.org forward slash shop forward slash full heart free voice podcast. We wanted to just give you a quick heads up that in this podcast, we are adults having adult conversations all about some really personal topics. And, you know, sometimes Emma and I just feel like we need a good swear word to fully and authentically express how we're feeling about things. So we just wanted you to be aware that there will be the occasional curse word. So just to be mindful, if there's little ears around, if you would prefer that they do not hear that. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Full Heart Free Voice podcast, where we are currently studying Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. And with this episode, we are moving into part two, which is called Enchantment, which is all about the magic part of Big Magic. And today we are studying the essays, An Idea Arrives, How Ideas Work, What Happens When You Say No?, what happens when you say yes and a different way. And just very quickly before we get started and go into our curiosity corner, um, Caitlin and I have recently started a Patreon for season two of Full Heart Free Voice podcast. And we're so excited about this. So at the beginning of each episode for a few episodes, we just want to, um, really highlight a feature of the Patreon because I think you will all really love it. Um, So if you don't know how Patreon works, essentially when you join, there are 
different tiers where you subscribe for a monthly fee, which supports the podcast, but you also get really cool rewards, right? So like for a $3 reward, you get a bonus quote audio from us each month. For the $6 reward, you get an email from me every week with an Oracle card. (laughs) For the $12 reward level, you get a printable creativity kit. And then for each level, you get all of the other things below, right? So if you joined at the $12 level and got the creativity kit every month, you would also get the bonus quote audio and the Oracle card emails from me. And the reward I really want to feature uh, for this episode is that Caitlin and I just added a monthly book club call with us. So this is a live call where you would hop on Zoom. You would get to talk to Caitlin and I about the book, um, about what we've been reading and learning about the podcast episodes and what stood out for you. Um, And it'll be a really fun call where we can just get together and actually connect as a community and talk to each other. And for most of the calls, we're thinking Caitlin and I will both be there. So you'll actually get to hang with us. So if you want to see us on Zoom and actually talk to us about, hey, what's coming up for you? that's where that can happen. Um, That's at that $18 level. And so when you sign up there, you also get the creativity kit, the Oracle card email, and the bonus quote audio. So what we're hoping with the Patreon is that it becomes a really highly supportive space for your creativity that you can join and feel like it's super fun. Um, Yes, you're supporting the podcast, but we are like even more supporting you um, with your creative work, because as you know, our mission is to help you all live with full hearts and free voices. And that for sure is our mission with the Patreon. So you can go and check that out. It's patreon.com forward slash full heart free voice podcast. And the link is in the show notes. One thing I'll add, just because somebody will wonder about this, is that if you're not able to join one of the book club, book clubs live, they will be recorded and in the Patreon for you to listen to. So just keep that in mind that if you can't join, but you still want to listen in on those conversations, they will be there for you. Now that we've talked about Patreon, we can now get into our new listener favorite segment curiosity corner (laughs) the curiosity (laughs) corner is where caitlin and i tell you in 30 seconds what we have been curious about recently and we're doing this because of the quote you heard in the introduction that um elizabeth gilbert says living a creative life is when you um oh my god what does she say caitlin (laughs) living a creative life is when you're driven more strongly by curiosity than by fear yes (laughs) (laughs) So, yes. So that's why we are featuring and highlighting curiosity, because the truth is that, um, you know, what you're curious about right now is a creative thing, right? So many people get hung up thinking that they're not creative people. They worry that they're not really living creative lives. But guess what? If you're curious about something right now, you're living a creative life. Caitlin, do you want to start with what you've been curious about recently? Yes. Okay, got my timer already. <laughs> Three, two, one. 
Okay. So I've been trying to think about the ways that uh, creative living, like you're saying, is happening in my life where I haven't been acknowledging it. And I spent the last week up in the mountains snowboarding with my family. And I was thinking about how I haven't really been honoring the fact that snowboarding is actually very creative. And I was just noticing the way that like my body feels so different and how I'm choosing the lines and how, how much information like comes through, like the feeling of my feet on the board. Like what an interesting way to think about snowboarding. I've been super curious about all of that. Okay, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. You've been snowboarding. Have you always snowboarded or is this a new hobby for you? It's not new. I've been snowboarding probably for like 17 years, but I started skiing when I was three. So been on the mountain for a long time. Um, but what's been really cool about snowboarding is, you know, I think as those of the listeners that have been listening to the past, um, season know about some of my journey with scoliosis and pain and, um, and what's so cool about snowboarding is that I feel so free in my body and I just feel so grateful that it's something that I can still do. So I really, really love it. That is really cool. And I can totally see that as creativity because, I mean, I don't ski or snowboard, but I can see like in that situation, you have to have some creative thinking going on with like, yeah, where you put your feet, where you move, like how you're going to go down the mountain. That's a ton of creative thinking. Mm-hmm. And how like it can change so quickly because you could be, you know, on, on snow that has, you know, you can really carve into, and then the next second you're on ice and you're sliding out and you're trying to figure out how to like, you know, maybe not wipe out me or if you do (laughs) how to survive that (laughs) situation. Um, But yeah, it's, it's, it was really, it was so much fun to take the lens of, of big magic into snowboarding. I, you know, it's like, there wasn't, it was not a um, a combination that I would have made, you know, or connection I would have made before. Yeah. So cool. Thanks yeah. for sharing that. Thank you. Okay. I'd love to hear what you've been up to or curious about, I should say. Yeah. So I think that mine, um, I'm just getting my little timer set up, but I think mine is in the same realm as something that I wouldn't normally think of as creative, but I am really curious about it. Okay. 30 seconds starts now. Okay. So what I've been really curious about lately is the plumbing in my house. And so my husband and I recently moved into a new house. We are um, first time homeowners and our house isn't really new. It's 40 years old and we have all this plumbing like all houses have. And so I'm kind of obsessed with learning how to clear all drains myself. And I'm also obsessed with watching um, those videos of those house, this old house videos about plumbing and learning how the pipes actually work in the house. this is so cool i i think it's i love that you are so into this especially like i think there's something about being a a homeowner like you take interest in things you wouldn't think you'd have an interest in i know i am it's so funny because my husband is the electrician in the house and he's like obsessed with all the outlets and making sure he's like updated all of the outlets and it's like been his big project since we moved in and i have been the plumber of the house and thoroughly obsessed with all the drains and it's actually it is like a genuine like true self love like every time I learn something a little bit more about the way how the drains work I am genuinely super excited and it's so satisfying because we've always rented before so I think it's so so satisfying to 
like not call a landlord, not call a plumber, but to actually fix something yourself and learn how it works and to feel empowered. It's like so empowering to me to think we can live here and we're good. You know, we can do it ourselves. So yeah, I really like it. And who knows, maybe it will feed into my creativity by someday I'll like have a character in a novel. If I ever write a novel, that's like obsessed with dream. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I think it's, I think it's really cool. And, and I think you're right. There is something, I think no matter what it is to learn about something and take on something that we didn't know that we could do before is always empowering. So I love that you made that connection to creativity because I think that's very creative. All right. So I want to do a recap of the sections that we are going to be discussing today. So the first one is an idea arrives. So she starts by saying, now that we're done talking about fear, we can talk about magic. And she tells us about the most magical thing that ever happened to her was actually a book that she didn't write. This was, um, you know, after she had written Eat, Pray, Love, and this idea came to her that was so exciting. It was sparked by a true story that her partner had told her that happened back in the 60s when the Brazilian government wanted to build a huge highway through the jungle. The project took a really long time to get started, but once the project was finally underway, it began to rain and rain and rain, and the crews had to abandon the job, and all of their equipment you know, is now covered in feet of water. The crazy thing is that when they returned, the whole project and the huge equipment with you know, tires as tall as people were completely gone. Like This equipment was sucked into the earth. And when she heard this story, Elizabeth Gilbert just absolutely fell in love with it. And she talks about having these symptoms of of inspiration, which she describes as being similar to what, you know, you know, what people have been saying all over the world about what it's like to be hit by inspiration, which is like feeling like you're falling in love. Maybe you feel a little sick or dizzy that feeling of like looking over the edge of something, which reminds me of what you were saying in about the Grand Canyon, Emma, like you're looking over this thing that's so beautiful and mesmerizing, but it's dangerous and terrifying at the same time. (laughs) And she says that, you know, this combination of all these sensations is what it feels like when an idea comes to you. So the next essay, How Ideas Work, Elizabeth Gilbert sets up this essay by prefacing that, you know, she spent her entire life devoted to creativity and has developed an understanding and beliefs that are unapologetically based on magical thinking. And so when she says magic, she means it literally like the mystical, the supernatural, the divine, the otherworldly, the transcendent, like Hogwarts style, you know, (laughs) magic is what she's talking about here. She believes that creativity is is not human, Um, and she realizes that this is not rational, this is not scientific, and she's good with that. Um, What she believes is that, you know, our planet is inhabited, you know, not only by humans and animals and plants, bacteria, viruses, but also by ideas, and that they're very much separate from us, but they can interact with humans. She also believes that, you know, these ideas have consciousness and they have a will and that really they're driven by this desire to become manifest. But the only way that they can do that is to collaborate with a human. She believes that, you know, ideas search for willing partners. And when she's talking about ideas, she means every single kind of idea that there there is out there. 
And she says that often, you know, we don't notice that an idea is trying to get our attention because we're often not being receptive or we're distracted by our day-to-day life. But she says that, you know, when you're open and relaxed enough, that's when the magic will come through. It will give you chills. It will give you buzzy thoughts. You'll feel like you're falling into love or obsession, and you will see signs that, you know, keep your interest and nudge you towards this idea. It will also distract you from the rest of your life. And then that idea will ask you, do you want to work with me? The next essay is what happens when you say no. So if you say no, basically you're off the hook. Sometimes this is actually a really good choice because maybe, you know, it's not the right moment in your life. Your energy is elsewhere, or you may just know that that idea simply isn't right for you. And Elizabeth Gilbert says that, you know, when she says no, she tries to be really gracious and sympathetic to that idea. And, you know, this part really made me laugh, but she's like, you know, you don't want to get around the universe that you're hard to work with. And she also says that, you know, most of most people say no, we say no all the time. But then, you know, one day someone, maybe that person is you, will say yes to an idea, which takes us to the next essay, which is what happens when you say yes. So if you say yes to inspiration, you say yes to an idea that it's showtime and that you have entered into this contract with inspiration and that it is your job to do your best to see that inspiration through to its, you know, undetermined, impossible to see outcome. She also says, you know, you get to set the terms of this contract that you have with inspiration. Oftentimes, she says that people will set a contract of suffering and destroying themselves, you know, all for the the interest of realizing their inspiration. And if you choose this path, she doesn't recommend it. But if you if you decide to go down this path, she you know recommends following the rules of the tormented artist, which are to drink as much as possible, sabotage all your relationships fight against yourself vehemently, express constant dissatisfaction, jealously um, compete with your peers, and so on and so on and so on. Um, And basically, you know, continue to in that manner until basically uh, you die (laughs) and blame your creativity for killing you. Um, So she says, you know, if you are committed to your suffering, then you can go about it in this way. Um, and you are more than welcome to choose a short life of tragic glamour versus a long life of satisfaction. Um, but the reminder there right at the end is like, but remember in the end, it's about the work. It's about the, the inspirations about the idea. It's not about you. And so she would like to suggest a different way to maybe go about this, which brings us to the essay, a different way. And that different way is to cooperate fully, humbly, and joyfully with your inspiration, to receive ideas with respect and curiosity, not drama and dread, to clear out obstacles that prevent you from living your most creative life. And that reminder that, you know, what's bad for you is also bad for your creativity and to basically do the opposite of anything that the tormented artist would do. Instead, you would take care of your mind, body, your spirit, your relationships, you would dare to be pleased with what you've created. Or, you know, if a project doesn't work out, to see it as a worthwhile experiment and, you know, to also support others doing their creative work, to see creativity as a partner. And if you choose to go about your contract with uh, inspiration this way, you can live a long, charmed, passionate and fulfilling life doing and making interesting things. But again, she says, it's your choice. 
<laughs> so <laughs> that was a lot, but I feel like this is like all these, these ideas really intersect in so many different ways. And for you, Emma, what was it about these essays that in particular stood out for you? Something I really like about grouping these particular essays together is really looking at um, like the nature of how we relate to an idea. And I like kind of her giving us the life cycle of an idea, you know, saying it comes to you um, and it invites you to join it and that you get to say yes or no. And if you say yes, you can do that in a couple ways. So something I really like about her philosophy is her focus on things being like your choice. Like you actually get to choose. Like if you go up about an idea from this like sort of tormented artist way, that's actually a choice you're making, right? And you get to make that. It reminds me a lot of um something you and I learned in life coach training, which was um, one like little life coach tool that we learned in Martha Beck training was to say, like whenever we said we have to or we should to change that to could, right? Like I could do this. Um, I can do this. You know, I if I feel like I have to, um, you know, go do something I really don't want to do, maybe like for a family member or something, to change the language to like, I'm choosing to do this, or I could do this, just kind of gives you some power back where you might feel like disempowered, right in a place. And I think sometimes with creativity, we can feel disempowered, like we feel like, either we can't say yes or no, or we have to and should say yes to a creative idea, even when we don't want to. So there's all of this disempowerment that can come in. And I like how she gives us power back because she's like, it's your choice. You get to choose this. Yeah, I think, you know, it was. It, I liked listening to you explain it in that way as, as truly it's empowering um, to, that you're, you're making, that you can make this choice and that, you know, it, it definitely is that thing to like, okay, in the times that I'm making myself feel a little bit miserable, <laughs> like it's not, it's not this project. It's not this, it's not my creativity. It's me, which is like a little bit like, okay, sometimes it's hard to take responsibility, but on the other hand, it's also exciting because then it can change. You can, you can have a different mm -hmm. experience. Yeah, absolutely. And even with her sort of philosophy on magic, right? So she's saying like, hey, ideas are literal magic. Like she means it. And I think that's also a choice, right? Like you can engage with creativity from this sense of wonder and awe and magic, you know, that you can feel like, wow, an idea just came to me. And that was like this really cool interesting magical experience that I can then, you know, say yes or no to. And, you know, sometimes it's hard to see the magic in those things. Like right now I'm kind of deep in more like in the middle of creative projects. Like I'm not at the beginning, like big magical inspiration moment with a lot of my creative projects. So reading this was also a nice reminder of that. Like, oh yeah, I can still, even though I'm in like the heart of the middle of things where I'm needing, you know, one of the sections and 
this book is persistence. Like that's kind of where I think I'm actually at is at like that persistence stage um, with my creative projects. But it's nice to remember like, oh, I can still choose to see this as magical. Like I don't need to get lost in the slog of, of creativity and just getting something done. You know, I can still go back to remembering, hey, there is like this origin point that was magic mm-hmm. for this project. And the thing about this that was gave me a little bit of relief is sometimes I feel like I need to figure it all out on my mm-hmm. own. And so it's kind of nice to feel like, oh, I don't have to necessarily, I don't have to figure it out, you know, because I'm, I'm, if this is like a, this is a team effort <laughs> of <laughs> figuring out like where this idea like wants to come to fruition mm-hmm. and it's happening through me, but I don't know, it, it gets to be a little bit more playful. Like that word just is going to continue coming up, I think, for me throughout this entire book. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. So I was appreciating getting kind of into the magic part of big magic. It's like, oh, yeah, these ideas are so cool to me. They're so interesting. And like, I don't necessarily experience ideas in the same way. Um, But for me, it's like, ooh, like what a cool, interesting, like, poetic way to think about an idea that comes to you, you know, like as it has its own life, like it's its own thing, right. That you can work with. And like, you're saying like, like it takes some of the responsibility off. Cause it's like, well, <laughs> if the idea is not the best idea in the world, it's not totally my fault. Right. <laughs> like the idea is like its own little thing. And so it's okay. <laughs> Okay, so Caitlin, today it is your turn to get coached. And so was there anything in this section, this group of essays that challenged you or that you would just like to explore more for yourself to get more clarity on? Yeah, I think this is uh, really going to be a continuation of what you were saying. I think you set it up so perfectly. (laughs) You must have had this like intuitive nudge. Um, But around this idea of, of saying no to ideas. And, uh, there's some, to some ideas, I have guilt that comes up. It's not, I don't feel like I'm cleanly, um, or from like a sense of empowerment saying no to an idea. And so that's something that I want to explore with you a little bit more. So just to get us like grounded in the text a little bit, is there any specific quote that you want to call out that might help us with your coaching around this? Yeah. So this is in the what happens when you say no section. To be clear, it's not always a dishonorable choice. True, you might sometimes decline inspiration's invitation out of laziness, angst, insecurity, or petulance, but other times you might need to say no to an idea because it's truly not the right moment, or because you're already engaged in a different project, or because you're certain that this idea has accidentally knocked on the wrong door. So the part for me is where she's saying the laziness, angst, insecurity, or petulance might be the reason why you're saying (laughs) no to an idea. And, you know, sometimes like an idea will come to me and also, or sometimes someone else will offer an idea to me and I want to want to do it. And I won't 
because something about it doesn't feel right. But then I feel guilty about that. And I'm wondering if I'm being lazy or selfish um, in not taking this on. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. So there's a lot kind of uh, wrapped up in yeah. this, I think, for me. I think for you and I think for a lot of people, um, I just want to just say that right off the bat that I have that too. Like, like I will feel like if I don't say yes to all my creative ideas that, yeah, that's what it means. It means I'm just being scared. I'm not being courageous, you know, all those things. Um, so let's get into it. Let's, is there a specific example we can talk about? Like, is there something, um, an idea that's come to you that you have said no to, but that you feel guilty about saying no to it? Yeah. <laughs> and I say no to it <laughs> consistently and often. Um, it, so I, again, it's like so funny. I didn't even think about this when I was mentioning scoliosis earlier, but it kind of ties into this where, um, because, of my journey with scoliosis and, and people have um, shown a lot of interest in my story um, and have appreciated what I've shared about my experience on, on especially in my social media posts and things like that. Um, it has often come up that people are like, oh, you should do coaching for people with scoliosis, or you should do inspirational talks about your experience with scoliosis, or you should. And I just don't want to but I feel really guilty about it because I feel like I should. Um, why do you think you should do it? Because I have gotten the feedback that what I have shared in the moments where I felt like sharing in the way that I felt like sharing um, has really impacted people and made them feel less alone and feel, feel seen and understood. And so I feel like I have this, like, this is a way I could offer support and maybe healing and whatever to other people in the world. And so I kind of feel shitty about not wanting that to be my primary work in the world. Mm -hmm. So say more about why you don't want it to be your primary work in the world. Well... For me, that experience is so rooted in trauma and there are pieces, well, I'll give you a specific example where this um, came up more recently. So there was a, a post that I had, I had shared a while back, um, which maybe, maybe I'll share it on Instagram so people can see it, um, mm -hmm. where I, you know, was just talking about, about my experience um, with scoliosis and I'd had the mom of um, of of a, a child who has scoliosis and was just having to wear a back brace, and she reached out to me and asked, you know, basically, how, like, what? How do I help my daughter? And and for me, it was so, you know, I realized that. I can talk about scoliosis a little bit more from reflecting from my own perspective as now as an adult who is, you know, I'm, you know, like 17 or 18 years past when I was wearing a back brace, for example. But um, I don't know necessarily how to make it better for her daughter. And I mm -hmm. think I felt really helpless and it brought up a lot of stuff for me. And I was like, I just don't even really want to go here. <laughs> like, 
it's just so it's there's just so much trauma that goes with um, that experience for me and for other people. And I just didn't know when I feel like I don't know how to help in some ways. And then on the other hand, I just know from my own sort of internal wisdom of the types of work that I can do consistently and, and stay healthy. This doesn't feel like something I could do in, in any, like in consistent depth um, and, and probably feel healthy. Right. That is, to me, that sounds like just what Elizabeth Gilbert was saying. Like there are legitimate reasons to say no. And one of them is for you to do that, it would not be healthy for you. Like right. that is super legitimate. So my next question is what kind of person do you think can do that kind of work really well? And this is of course like not, you know, specifically like like someone's resume, but for you like like what is like the qualities of a person do you think who could step in and and help someone through that kind of experience? Hmm. Well, I think if someone's had that experience for themselves, that they've worked through a lot of that trauma, um, mm-hmm. and which as an aside, I am working with a therapist. <laughs> so it's like this, this has come up at times when it's needed to, and we've, we've done some work on it. Um, but I also think somebody who is just so lit up about talking about like the empowerment that can come from their experience with scoliosis and somebody who just feels just really naturally called and they feel like this is, this is what they have to offer the world. Um, and that doesn't necessarily feel like me. (laughs) I feel like there's other things Mm -hmm. and it's also, you know, I think this is like where I, I know that and I guess the other thing maybe um, to this that's coming up for me is that I have done this in the past. Um, like I've I've sat at the hospital with several people's families as they've either have just come out of surgery or through their surgery. I've um, and I'm willing to to talk with people about it at times, but it's not the work that I want to do in the world in terms of like for. Um, I don't know. This is such a sticky thing for me. I feel like I'm feeling like not even great saying this out loud. Yeah. So I have a hunch and that is that, you know, perhaps you might be thinking and tell me where I'm wrong, um, but that you might be thinking that by not helping folks with scoliosis, the word selfish is coming to me that I'm curious mm-hmm. if you think you're being selfish because you have the idea would the story would be that, hey, you have something you could help these people. You're withholding that help from them. And so maybe that's being selfish. Mm-hmm. And my hunch is that actually, like you said, the kind of person who could genuinely be the most helpful for someone in that situation is someone where like that kind of work is healthy for them, where it lights them up, where it doesn't like damage them in some way to do it. Right. And like, there are those people. So for example, Caitlin, you and I have talked about this um, 
not on the podcast, but in just when we talk, that I have a very, very mild form of scoliosis. And so I go to, was going to a yoga studio for scoliosis and working with this teacher, Elise Miller, who has developed this whole beautiful Iyengar yoga studio and work for folks with scoliosis. And she is so passionate about it, right? Like she teaches multiple yoga classes a day. And I have never worked with her where she hasn't been like passionately helping people with this. And I worked with like, I was living near to her yoga studio when we were in California. So I went there multiple times and I was always like blown away. I was like, this is her work, man. Like this is such a cool example of somebody totally lit up. Right. And so the idea is that there actually are those people in the world specifically for scoliosis who can help those folks and might even be, um, I don't, I don't say this in any way to just like to disparage you, but might be better, right. For that person Mm -hmm. to work with somebody who is like genuinely lit up. So I'm just curious what you think of all that. I completely agree with you. And that's why I'm really grateful to know of some amazing people doing this work that I can (laughs) refer to. Um, Mm -hmm. Because I, you know, yeah, I, I want someone who's going to feel really lit up and that they feel like they have, you know, like a specific, you know, path forward for people. And I'm still finding my path forward through my scoliosis Mm -hmm. and chronic pain and all of that. And so, you know, it's like to have someone who just feels like very empowered to be sharing that information. Um, and just also feels like really rooted in that mission and purpose is like so awesome. Like I'm so happy that people are doing this work and, you know, and I just know the difference of the way that I feel in my body when, when I'm doing, when I'm doing something that I'm just so excited for, you know, like to be doing and and fill it up by, um, and while I care so deeply about these issues, and I've been so grateful for the opportunities to share my perspective and my experience and what I've learned through, you know, through all of this and things that have maybe helped me, um, you know, I guess it's like, it's, it's just a piece. I think it was all, here's the other piece too, is it was such a big part of my identity, for such a long time that it's so nice to like not be the girl with the back brace and to not be, um, you know, like now a lot of people don't know if they've just met me, they wouldn't necessarily know that I have scoliosis because it's not as big a part of my life anymore. And it's just kind of nice. It's sort of like refreshing (laughs) to not have it be, um, as much of a focus as it used to be. So I think that's the other part of it is like, like, it's like, I'm ready to say no to it because I can, I don't think I could say no to it before in the same way. Yeah. Okay. So I have one last question for you about this. So I am very curious if there has been a time where you've reached out to help for somebody and they have said, no, they can't help you, but here's somebody who can and how that like worked out for you. Yeah. I mean, to, to be able to get, uh, that type of specific referral to someone else is so huge. And to see that this is the, yeah, like this is the person that is going to be the, you know, that they feel is like the a better fit for what I'm looking for is, 
such a gift really um, mm-hmm. to, to get that referral. Agreed. I think sometimes when I've reached out for help and I've gotten a good referral back, I have felt helped because like I've reached out to help to somebody who I have trust in, right? Like I'm like my hunch would be someone's asking for help because they have some trust in you. Mm-hmm. And so for you to respond with, I'm so sorry, I can't help. If you do know people in this field, then here's somebody who could. That is an amazing help, mm-hmm. right? And it's not withholding. It's like a real gift. Like you just said, it's a gift. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that reframe because, you know, in some ways you don't, when you sometimes, when you give that referral, you don't know, I don't know necessarily where that person ended up or if they reached out or not. Um, But to know that even that, that act of, of sharing that information is, is still helping. So Mm -hmm. yeah. And also being okay with the way that like I help is maybe sometimes just sharing my own reflections and that's, that's it. And I can be okay with that. Maybe that's like the limit to that idea. (laughs) It's like as far as we're going, we're not going any further in terms of that partnership. Yeah. So I wonder like, so other people are like you, you were saying at the beginning, other people kind of bring this idea to you. But if we look at the text and think about like ideas as being their own living things, do you think that this idea comes to you? Like, have you ever had that falling in love feeling of inspiration like Elizabeth Gilbert described when it comes to this idea? Um, This one in particular? No. Yeah. No, I haven't. No, I haven't. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) And, you know, and it's like, and the idea has like, like sometimes it comes from people, sometimes it comes from me, but yeah, it's kind of like, a, uh, I, I want, again, it's like, I want to like you and this is such a good idea. And, and again, it's like, you know, maybe you should call, like she says, I was like, maybe call Barbara King solver for this idea yes. or whatever. And, yes. and that's exactly what it is, is it's kind of like, Hey, actually, I know this other person who would love to work with you. <laughs> Here you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll push you on your way or direct you that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to be like gracious about it and like, thanks so much for coming to me. That's so thoughtful of you. You mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. idea. And yeah, actually you might be great for somebody else. Right. Yeah. So how do you feel now? Has the guilt shifted at all after talking it through? I feel, yes, it, it has shifted. I feel a little bit um, I definitely feel lighter about it. Like I was feeling like a lot of kind of like knots in my stomach and like my shoulders felt really heavy. And I've noticed that I'm like, or it's like more like bunched up, I should say. And I just feel like they're like relaxing to the side a little bit more as we've been talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so what do you think, like if you give an empowered, clean no to this idea um, of, you know, doing more help than you already do for folks with scoliosis, then like, how can that impact your creative life? Like, how will that help you with the work you do? Yeah, I think, you know, just like the the energy that I've been feeling in my body as we've been talking about this is, um, feels really heavy and it almost feels like slogging through mud um, mm-hmm. type of energy versus, you know, like letting that go, um, letting that this type of energy that we've been talking about with this 
unclean no, um, go and just say, you know what? Nope. I'm releasing you with this scoliosis, um, support idea, letting that go with love, um, really allows my, my energetic, like my energetic space to feel cleaner and open to different ideas or ideas that I'm actually already working on that, that energy just is, is such a, you know, such like a hell yes, like so excited about, Mm -hmm. and, and that energy is just flowing so much easier. And so by letting that go, it just frees up this, this energy to, to flow into these areas that are really fulfilling and exciting for me. Yeah. That makes so much sense because if there's this like angst around, you know, guilt and feeling like you should be doing this other thing, then that is an amount of energy, right? That's like emotional energy and time, like going into that relationship with that idea. Whereas if you can set that idea free to find its ideal creative partner, then that sets you free too, to hang out with your ideas that are a yes for you, like a clean yes for you. Totally. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's like, if I were really to enter into this contract with, with like the scoliosis, like coaching or support idea, it would probably feel more like that tortured artist type of energy <laughs> in terms of being like yeah. making it feel really, really hard. Um, yeah. versus something else feels like, yeah, let's, let's have fun. Let's hang out and like, <laughs> let's make some cool things happen. Mm-hmm. Thank you. This is really, I'm really grateful to be able to talk this through. (laughs) You're welcome. I think it's so interesting. And so, um, you know, for our listeners, as always, after our coaching sessions, we would love to hear your perspective on this, especially from your experience, right? Like, like when have you had to say no to a creative project? Um, When do you say yes to a creative project? We're really curious, like, what comes up for you around this um, this topic, especially with saying no, right? Because sometimes we really do say no because of what you said, right? Of like fear or angst and all of that. But sometimes actually like Caitlin's going through feeling angst about thinking she should say yes. <laughs> so, like, so, you know, it can get kind of knotted up. So we're just curious, like what comes up for you when you say no to a creative project? And like, when have you had a clean experience where you're like, actually, I just, I genuinely need to not do that thing. And how does that empower you? You know? Yeah. I love that question so much. Okay. So, um, The next segment is the part of our episodes where we let you know what Caitlin and I are up to, because as you can tell from listening to us, um, we both have our own businesses. We're both coaches. um, We're both getting up to a lot of cool and interesting things that we would love for you to join us in. If, if what we have going on feels like fun and like a good fit for you and a clean yes for you, (laughs) then we would love for you to join us in what we're doing. So Caitlin, what do you have going on? Well, I wanted to um, just share with you all a little bit about my Instagram. So Instagram's kind of, you know, I think you've kind of noticed this with us. That's kind of where we like to hang out. And 
Um, The thing I love about Instagram is that it's a space where I can engage with lots of different people and share different ideas that I'm, you know, that I'm kind of mulling over um, and hear your perspectives. And so, you know, if you want to learn a little bit more about me, about my philosophy as as a human one and a coach, um, that's a really cool way for you to kind of explore And for the multi-passionates out there, I have, uh, last year I started an Instagram um, IGTV series called the Multi-Passionate PSA. And so these are relatively short videos where I talk about a common misconception that multi-passionate people often have about themselves or their passion projects or the life that they want to create for themselves and really kind of flip the script on that. Uh, and so if you're trying to, you know, maybe understand more about what it means to be multi-passionate, or maybe you've struggled with, um, you know, feeling overwhelmed with all the different ideas that you have or feeling like you, um, you know, like you're all over the place and you'll never be an expert in anything or, you know, I, I address so many different topics. And so, uh, if you just go on to my Instagram, which is at Caitlin underscore boss heart, and you click on the IGTV, you'll see uh, a whole playlist of those videos. And I hope that they will serve you. Um, so yeah, if you want to connect on there, just come say hello. I love, I love, love, love uh, getting to meet all of you. So um, come say hi. And yeah, that's kind of what I just wanted to share today. How about you, Emma? What, uh, what do you have for us? Yeah. So something I wanted to make sure all our listeners know is that I have a free workbook that I offer on my website, veritaswriterssanctuary.com, which is called Six Steps to Calm Your Fear and Write Your First Blog Post. (laughs) So if you're somebody who has been wanting to write online or wanting to start a blog or a social media account and you just are so scared of that, right? Sharing your authentic voice out here in the world. It feels really scary and you don't even know how to get started. Not necessarily because you don't know how to write, like you might know how to write, but so much fear comes up for you that it just kind of shuts all the inspiration down. And, you know, maybe you have the experience of being excited to sit down to write, sitting down and then like your mind going blank and not knowing what to do because of fear then this workbook is really for you. Uh, The first few steps really just guide you through a process to help you calm your fear. And then there are a couple steps just on like how to write a blog post, like how to go through um, writing different versions of drafts and things like that. Um, But for sure, if you get really scared when you sit down to write, I think this could help you with your writing sessions, right? When you sit down, you can walk through these steps and just kind of calm your nervous system enough so that you can start writing. And I've gotten really good feedback on this workbook that it's really helping folks. And I've heard them, uh, you know, folks have been telling me they've been writing their first blog post, which is so cool and exciting. Um, So you can download that at veritaswriterssanctuary.com forward slash six steps. It's the number six steps. The link is in the show notes. And of course, when you um, sign up for the workbook, you also will subscribe to uh, my weekly newsletter. So if you've been wanting to just stay in touch and read my weekly blog posts, my newsletters are usually um, my blog posts, right? They're, they're um, 
really great stories and tips for writing. So I would love for you to come and download that and join me in my community. All right. So, um, Caitlin, do you have a quote from the chapter that you would love to highlight and talk to us about? The quote that I have is from the How Ideas Work essay. The idea sensing your openness will start to do its work on you. It will send the universal physical and emotional signals of inspiration. The chills up your arms, the hair standing on the back of your neck, the nervous stomach, the buzzy thoughts, that feeling of falling in love or obsession. The idea will organize coincidences and portents to tumble across your path to keep your interest keen. You will start to notice all sorts of signs pointing you towards the idea. Everything you see and touch and do will remind you of the idea. So what I love about this quote, especially in contrast to the coaching that we were doing today, is that when I'm really excited about an idea... Um, I don't get chills up my arms, but I get this little zing up my spine, which is interesting, also connected <laughs> to the spine. But I get this like really like this little like jolts of like lightning up my spine. It, it's like, whoa, we're like, what was that? Like when something really strikes me. And this is how I felt when I first learned about coaching. I got really obsessed with thinking about it and the philosophy and talking about it and wanting to learn more. And I also found this um, with beekeeping that, you know, I, when I first watched this documentary called queen of the sun on, it was on Netflix at the time. I didn't even know what it was about. I just clicked on it because I was intrigued and I just immediately was so pulled into this idea of like exploring this relationship between this insect and humans and beekeeping was literally everything I could think about and talk about. I went through a class and before I even got my first hive, I kept seeing all these magical signs where I'd be reading a book and a bee would come and land on the top of my book. Um, I remember walking through the little downtown area in the town that I live in and finding a natural piece of honeycomb that had dropped from somewhere. It was not clear where, but just laying in the middle of the sidewalk. Um, I had a friend send me a, a card that had a bee on it. And it was just so interesting. All of these little, um, how I actually wrote a blog post around this, but the, the little winks and nudges from the universe that this was something that I needed to explore. And again, if you've been with us for the last season, you've heard me talk a lot about bees and how that just became like, you know, such an obsession for me. I love that. That's so fun to have that kind of magic happen. Mm -hmm. What about you? What's your quote? My quote's also from the how ideas work section. And um, it's the very first paragraph. I should explain at this point that I've spent my entire life in devotion to creativity, and along the way I've developed a set of beliefs about how it works and how to work with it that is entirely and unapologetically based upon magical thinking. And when I refer to magic here, I mean it literally, like in the Hogwarts sense, 
I am referring to the supernatural, the mystical, the inexplicable, the surreal, the divine, the transcendent, the otherworldly. Because the truth is, I believe that creativity is a force of enchantment, not entirely human in its origins. And I like this quote a lot because of how unapologetic she is about it. And as someone who um, has done a lot of magical work, like I call myself a witch, right? Like I know that like that's one of my lanes of creativity. I really appreciate her just putting that down with, with that kind of like, hey, this is just what it is, right? This is what I experience. And this is what I've always thought about magical experiences that like, if you experience it, then it's real for you. And mm-hmm. like, we don't need to go out of our way to like prove it to other people. Like, I don't mind at all if other people don't believe this, right? Like if other people, you know, don't believe in any of the magical things that I do, like, I'm kind of fine with that because I know they haven't had the experiences that I've had. So I don't feel like I need to get all riled up in like the proof of it. I just feel the same as she is like, this is just, this is what I experience. And I've had that experience and I'm not going to deny my own reality. Right. Mm -hmm. So I really like this quote and I know I remember when this book came out and her going around on the talk show, she was like on Stephen Colbert and all these things and talking about that, how interesting it was to talk to like very um, not magical thinking, like NPR news host, you know, (laughs) this kind of stuff and how funny it was and how kind of great it was for her to just be like, this is what it is. Sorry. That's it. You know, sorry, not sorry. Yep. Okay, so now it is time to close our episode with our permission slip for you. So for this episode, we want to give you the permission to give a clean no to a creative project. And by clean no, I mean it's a clear decision that you're making based on a truth of your life. Like Caitlin gave us that great example of she just genuinely does not want to do that kind of scoliosis coaching, right? That's genuinely not for her. So that's like a clean no. And so I think it would be really cool if we all practice that. And I thought I would give you an example of me and a time that I've done that. One time um, a few years ago, I did NaNoWriMo, which if you're not a writer, you might not know what that is, but it's called National Novel Writing Month. And it's this challenge, this huge challenge. So many people participate in it to write a novel in a month. And in November is when it usually takes place. So I did that. One time I sat down and the idea is to just write and write and write without stopping. It's not supposed to be good. You're just supposed to walk away with NaNoWriMo, basically with like a shitty first draft, right? As um, Anne Lamott calls it, a shitty first draft. And so I did that, right? I did NaNoWriMo and I had a shitty first draft of a novel. Um, And I decided to not do it. I gave it a very clean no to continue working on it because the kind of novel I had written was going to require a lot of research, 
And what I know about myself is that I'm not really a researcher, right? Like I learn through experience. I learn through living. So if I'm going to write what I know, it's going to be that I'm going to write about something I've lived and experienced versus something that I need to like read books and articles about. Like that kind of research just really isn't for me. It never has been. And so that was a time that I gave a really clean no to a project. So I was like, wow, this is such a cool book. I really hope somebody writes about this someday. <laughs> I want to read this book, but it's just genuinely not for me. And so I let that one go. And so I want you all to practice that. What's something you can give a clean no to in the next couple of weeks? All right, everyone. We just so appreciate you tuning in with us. And just a couple of quick reminders. Um, if you were intrigued by what Emma was sharing at the beginning about our Patreon um, definitely go check out those rewards. I think that they will really, really serve you um, in your whole creative journey. And we'd love to connect with you, especially in the book club um, tier, if you're interested in joining us there. And as always, come join us in on the conversations on Instagram. You can use the hashtag full heart free voice podcast. And we have started doing something really fun where we've been doing Instagram lives and sharing a community question. So that's a really cool place for you all to share your perspectives, um, to engage with one another on these different topics. And so we hope to see you over there. And we just want to remind you that if you are interested in any of the books that we have mentioned on today's podcast or any previous episodes, you can go check out our bookshop.org link where we have all of those books listed. It's a cool way for you to support an independent bookshops, to support the podcast um, and these amazing authors. Another way you can support us as well is to check out our merch shop. We have all the updated merch with our new uh, logo. And the last thing and what we would be so, so appreciative of is if you would be willing to leave us a review. Um, it really makes a big difference for the podcast. And we'd be so grateful to hear you know, what you love about the podcast what you've taken away from it um, and to share with other potential listeners, you know, why to spend their precious time and energy with us. So we just appreciate you all um, for being here and we can't wait to connect with you on the next episode. Bye everybody. Bye. Thank you. This episode was produced by Emma Veritas and Caitlin Bossart. You can find out more about me, Emma, at my website, VeritasWritersSanctuary.com, where you can download your free workbook, Six Steps to Calm Your Fear and Write Your First Blog Post. And you can connect with me on my Instagram page, Books and Moss, at books underscore and underscore moss. And you can find out more about me, Caitlin, at my website, CaitlinBossHart.com, where you can download my free workshop and workbook called Finally Start Your Passion Projects. And I'd love to connect with you on Instagram. Come find me at Caitlin underscore Bossheart and say hello. If you love the podcast, it would mean the world to us if you'd subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. To stay connected with us, join the conversation on Instagram at fullheart underscore free voice underscore podcast or join our patreon at patreon.com forward slash fullheart free voice podcast and remember you can purchase any of the books we mentioned in today's podcast at our bookshop.org affiliate link and you can find all these links in our show notes 
A special thank you to the amazing artists whose music is featured in our podcast, Wally Ingram, Stevie Black, and Tom Freund. You've heard portions of tracks Shine a Light and Who Do You Love from the record Spa Day. And thanks to Caitlin Bosshart for creating our beautiful cover art. And thanks to Kirit Basu for all his audio and technical help. And a huge thank you to Emma Veritas for all of her editing magic. Last but not least, thank you to you, our listeners. Thank you.